All right, welcome to New Life, everybody. Glad to have you with us. If you will find a seat, that would be great. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us in our North Platte campus right now live. And I also want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at our Kearney campus. All right, so let me hear it from everybody that's excited to be at New Life Church today. Come on. Yeah. Right on. Okay, that's awesome. Awesome. That's great. Hey, listen, um, we are in the middle of a teaching series that we've entitled, I Am Resilient. I just want to make some things like super clear right off the bat. This is not a teaching series teaching you how it is to be more humanly resilient against challenges and things that you're going to face. Um, because we all know that our human resilience is very limited, although God has put inside of humanity a sense of and an ability to be resilient to an extent. But he never made us that way that we would just thrive in our own human resiliency. So therefore, there's a void in us uh, that we need to have filled. And I am resilient is a way for us to communicate that I am resilient when Christ is in me. Okay? So I want to make sure that we're really clear on that. As we go through today's, uh, today's topic, that's kind of what we've been doing, is kind of looking at, from a biblical perspective, what are some biblical elements that God has given us through the power of his Holy Spirit to help us be resilient when it comes to the challenges and obstacles and difficulties that we're going to face in this world. Because to be resilient means that we overcome the challenges, but we also rebound. What do we overcome and we rebound? We overcome and we rebound back to center, Christ at the center of our life. We also rebound back to joy in the Lord. Because when we go through difficult seasons and times, guys, I know, I got it, man. I mean, joy is one of those things that gets impacted. Peace is one of those things that gets impacted. And so today, that's where we're at. The topic today is about resilient peace and resilient joy. Because one of the things that happens for us, if, you know, you guys watch the news or maybe you're like me, like I get my news feed right on my, right on my phone. Anybody else like that? Right? You just scan through it. Um, you get notifications. Uh, my phone's constantly going off telling me things about what's happening in the world. And if I just followed the theme and the timeline of what's happening in the world, it could be a very peaceless environment. I mean, when you, when you watch the news or you listen, like, like for us, we have a car that has XM radio. Anybody have that? So we can go out of our house watching the news right into our car and still listen to the news. It's very uplifting. <laughs> so that you can make that long ride from the house to the church still listening to everything that's happened in the world. Or you can make that ride over to hy V or, you know, to Walmart still listening to what's happening in the world. But if you listen, here's what's on the front page. Here's what's really being broadcast. You've got wars. Tell, tell me this, you know, like, you don't have to raise your hand, but just check these things off in your heart if you've heard these types of storylines, the headlines, in the last, like, let's say, 30 days. Wars, terrorism, talk of more war, abuse, hate, murder, violence, divorce, bullying. We've come to just embrace this as normal. But all of this is diluting peace in our world. And, and in some places around the world, it is not just diluted it, it's eradicated peace. There are some people that are living in war-torn environments right now where if it's just up to them to try to grab a hold of something that sounds like and feels like peace and joy, it's impossible. They're chasing the impossible. 
But let's, let's jump back for a moment. Let's pull back the veil. Let's get to us personally right here in Nebraska. You, you find a much deeper personal clash with peace going on when you pull the veil back. Like as an example, what's warring or clashing against us trying to grasp and hang on to a peaceful environment in our life? Comparison. Comparison's doing it. You know, it's not just about being teenagers and, you know, having some kind of, a, you know, um, you know, temptation to, you know, peer pressure wise to be like someone else or do something just because someone else does it. All of that still exists in our adulthood and our senior adult life. It just looks different. Comparison, it's warring against, it's clashing against us trying to grasp a hold of some level of peace. Uh, Self-image issues, words that were spoken in our past that are still lingering, dictating to us who we're going to be in our adult years, or actions that happened that are still vivid in our imagination and in our mind and our heart that have yet to loose their grip, but they're affecting our own self-image issues. We've had, in our adult years, our substance abuse issues, things that we become addicted to or that we have to have, and they draw us to it, whether it is alcoholism or it's a pornography issue or a some kind of other sex issue or just the attractiveness of, you know, I want other people to really, you know, like me. Um, or it could even be eating issues, but the substance abuse, it's warring against us trying to grab a hold of peace and verbal um, and emotional abuse and financial tensions because we're overextended or we're not making enough money or extended family turmoil or maybe in this past week you got some kind of uncertain medical diagnosis and all of these things are warring against your ability to try to grab a hold of and sense some kind of peace on this earth if you're trying to do it on your own. It's a daunting task. It's overwhelming. In fact, it literally is impossible. All of these things are like rocks being added to the backpack of your life. And at some point, we break. some point, the backpack becomes too full. We collapse to the ground. We can no longer keep moving forward. Because in our finite human resilience, we were never made to carry that kind of weight. We'll never find the peace and the joy that we're looking for. And here's the deal, that when peace goes, joy goes with it. So what do we tend to do? What is our human, you know, resilient remedy? Here's what we do. We disguise it all. We disguise it all with a mask. I was, uh, took my grandkids to a hockey game on Friday. It was Friday the 13th in October, people. I don't, I, obviously I don't give any credence to anything like that, but when you went to the hockey game on Friday the 13th in October, uh, your grandkids, um, although there were some adults walking around with these, which is a little scary, but um, the, your kid, all the kids got masks, right? You know, kids like these masks. But a mask in our adult life is nothing to like. What we do with our striving for peace and trying to find joy with all of these things that are happening in this world and everything that's happening in this life is that we put a mask on to try to disguise the real pain. We put a mask on to try to disguise how we are really feeling. We, we put a mask on to try to disguise our past hurt. We put a mask on to try to lie to everyone else so that they'll see us the way that we want them to see us. And we do it over, and we do it over, and we do it over again. And it, there's times when we'll probably, we might even like get rid of the mask, like we can finally lay it down, only to discover we're wearing another one. Why? Because we put one on over another, over another, over another. 
and they just keep piling up. We don't even know who the real us is anymore. In our striving for peace and joy, we've covered up the real us. We've put these masks on to try to disguise our pain or try to comfort ourselves. And I'm telling you, if you keep going down this route, you'll end up with such a variety of masks that you won't be able to contain it anymore. Some of you walked in here today, you had to super glue your mask back on just to get to church. And your whole goal in life today, right now, is this, to walk back out with the mask on. I would say to you, that's ludicrous. That's insanity to try to keep covering up the real you because of your fear of what? What other people are going to say? Your fear of rejection? Your, I'll tell you what it is. It's your fear of you becoming real with yourself again. Too many masks becomes overwhelming and the very mask that meant to bring peace because when you put it on that first time, made you feel really good. When you put it on that first time, all of a sudden there was peace again. You didn't have to look at the real you. You didn't have to deal with the real issues. Now, to keep it on, you're having to self-medicate more. To keep it on, you've had to believe a lie that the mask that I wear now is normal. And the very mask that meant to bring peace is going to fall apart. So, what is the better choice then? Because you and me, we were never meant to try to, you know, find peace and joy in this earth on our own strength. We were never designed that way. God didn't make us that way. Our human-generated peace and joy is extremely limited. It will only go so far. You can only cover up the real you for so long before all the wheels on the tricycle fall fall apart. The fact is this, that our human ability to bring peace and joy pales in comparison to God's biblical, resilient peace and joy that only he can provide. God-given biblical, resilient peace and joy can be summed up pretty easy, though. Let me sum it up for you really quick. Without, without God's resilient peace and joy in your life, this is going to be a common statement for you. God is where? nowhere that's gonna be a common it's gonna be common for you. you're gonna be searching for god it's like you can't find him because you're the one that's trying to keep, bring your own peace and your own joy you're going to be blaming god for all of life's circumstances and you're going to be coming to a conclusion that god is nowhere but when you finally surrender you lay your life down you finally pull off the mask and you let yourself be before jesus just the way he made you to be with all of your scars and with all your pain and with all your hurt and you finally let him get to the core of your life and he starts healing you and you start experiencing what true godly biblical resilience peace and joy is like it's amazing how these few letters can all of a sudden change into god is where now here you want to know the difference the difference between a human effort of joy and peace versus a godly resilient peace and joy that only he can provide by his holy spirit is that you go from god is nowhere to now god is here there's a little book in the old testament called habakkuk I dare you to say it three times fast. Not right now, though. Not right now. So this prophet of the Lord, he writes a very unique letter. 
In fact, it's, it's only three chapters long when the Bible kind of got broke up and canonized and it, it got divided into its sections of, you know, its, part of a, of its uh, you know, chapters and verses. And it only ended up being like three chapters long. It's a very unique letter because most of the Bible is God speaking to man. But Habakkuk's letter is man speaking to God. And in this short little book, which you, you may not even be able to find it, so you just go to the table of context, you look for Habakkuk's pretty unique word, then you can flip there, okay? So if you've got an analog Bible, that's how you're going to find it. If you've got a digital Bible, praise the Lord, right? This H-A-B, bam, boom, there you are. See how fast that is in an iPhone or a smartphone? But when you find it, you're going to find a, a man who is in, in extreme turmoil. You're going to find a prophet of God who is in a place in his life where he's recognized the fact that the people that he lives amongst, right, God's people, the people of what we would call now Israel, uh, of Judah is the word that's used at that time, these people have turned their back on God, they're doing whatever they want to do, they're living life however they want to, They've, they've had enemies in the past, and he's recognizing, he sees the writing on the wall, and he goes, the Babylonians are going to come and they're going to attack us. And he's upset with God about this, and he's saying, God, why would you allow some wicked, vile nation like that to be able to come and take over your people? If you are God, why do you let these bad things happen to your people? Have you ever asked that kind of question before? Habakkuk is asking the question. He's trying to find peace. He's trying to find joy in the midst of this in-between moment where we've come out of a captivity and we're going to go back in. We're going to go into another one. The Babylonians are going to come. And he's asking this question like, God, why would you allow these kind of things to happen? And he starts to realize in this letter that, um, that God is going to send the Babylonians because God's people, they need direction. And without this enemy coming and occupying them and turning them into slaves and taking all that they have and ravishing their lands, that they'll never turn back to God. And so God uses this very painful time to wake up his people that he loves so that they'll turn back to him. But he still wrestles with it, right? He, he still has a hard time wrapping his head and wrapping his heart around this whole thing until you get to the end where you finally see in, in chapter 3, he basically writes this song. It's like one of the Psalms in the Bible. He writes this song, and at the end of the song, you see where he's finally come to an understanding of what peace and joy will be like, even though the writing is on the wall and difficulty, hell on earth is getting ready to come, he still finds in the midst of all of that turmoil and difficulty, he discovers what it feels like, looks like, to have real resilient peace and real joy. This is how he describes it at the end of this letter. He says, even though, even though, Lord, and watch this, even though the fig trees, they have no blossoms anymore, And there are no grapes on the vines. And even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Then he goes on. And he says, I will be what? Joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Basically, Habakkuk comes to this point where he says this, even though everything that I know right now, which is not good, is going to get worse, I feel like a man standing on top of the mountain. 
And that's not because he's insane, okay? That's because he's found true life in here. He came to a point where he recognized, he recognized that it doesn't matter what happens around me, God is going to be my salvation, he's gonna be my strength, he is my savior. I would say to you today, biblical peace and joy, resilient biblical peace and joy, get your eyes off of the immediate and they get your eyes onto the eternal. And that's what's happened for Habakkuk. That after he wrestled with the immediate pain and discomfort, he was able to find joy in the Lord. In his own words, he said, I have found joy in the Lord. He goes on to describe it by saying this, that he called God his salvation. God is my salvation, even though the enemy is going to come and ravish my land. God's still my salvation. Yeah, because we, we would often blame God for not being our salvation when the difficult times come. But he's finding peace and joy knowing the difficult times are coming and still proclaiming God's my salvation. I'm saying to you that only happens by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. That's not something you and me just, you know, make happen in our own mind, in our own strength. In fact, he even recognized that God, God was his ultimate strength. He's his ultimate strength? He can't push back the Babylonians from attacking, but he's still his ultimate strength? That's what happens when resilient peace and joy fill your heart supernaturally from God in the midst of your challenge and your trial. He can make you resilient, an overcomer. He can make you rebound even in the face of the most difficult thing that you're getting ready to challenge. Resilient peace and joy, it will change the way you look at the challenges of this world. It will get your eyes off of the temporal and get your eyes back onto the main focus, which is the eternal. This is not my home anymore. It will help you in these ways that your past struggles, they can finally be laid down. And you can praise God and have your joy restored. For some of you, that's what you need today. You need the resilient peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit to take you back in time to these past struggles and to finally lay them down and find your joy being restored in the Lord. For some of you, it's your current challenges that need to be overcome. And you can finally come to a place where you can say, God, you are my salvation. Even in the midst of the struggle I'm facing, even in the midst of the walls I'm looking at, even in the midst of the turmoil that I'm facing, And for others of you, it's about your future and your future challenges. They don't have to bring fear any longer. They don't have to be those fearful moments. Habakkuk didn't have fear that the Babylonians were coming. In fact, he says that you can look to God and say that, God, you are my strength. You're my strength. Instead of the anxiety and the worry that penetrates your heart and eats away at your days and your night's sleep, you can revert back to a resilient peace and strength that says, God, you are my strength. When we experience true, biblical, godly, resilient peace and joy, all of a sudden scriptures like you've heard before, like what's found in the Philippians chapter 4, all of a sudden they make perfect sense. See if you've heard this scripture before. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. How many of you guys have read that before? How many of you have read that before and you went, how is that even possible? How is it even possible to not worry about anything but to pray about everything? How's that, is that even possible? I would say to you, not in your own strength. It's not possible. But in a resilient strength that only comes 
from the Lord, a resilient strength that's found in peace and it's found in joy, oh, all of a sudden, now you can say, I don't have to worry about anything. In fact, I'm taking it to God in prayer. Why? He's my salvation and he is my strength. I find my joy in him. But look what else it says. It says, tell God whatever you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience whose peace? See, it's not your peace. (laughs) That's the secret here. It's not your peace because your peace can't handle it. It's God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can what? Understand. Right. His peace, it will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let me just summarize this really fast because I'm out of time. Resilient peace, it guards your heart and your mind, and it keeps you focused on the eternal. Just to summarize, what does resilient peace do? It guard, like Philippians 4 said, it guards your heart and your mind to do what? To keep you focused on the eternal. That's what Habakkuk experienced. That's what you can experience as well. In summarization, what does resilient joy do? Resilient joy, it gives you hope that God's purpose and his plan is best, even when it means walking through a very painful and difficult time like the testimony you're getting ready to hear. You're getting ready to hear a story from a mom and her daughter, um, Amy and Remington, out at our North Platte campus, and some very difficult things that they went through. But I want you to listen for where God inserts into their very heart and their soul and their mind his resilient peace and his resilient joy. I want you to be listening for that quality today because that's what God's knocking on your heart about. So listen to Amy and Remington's story as you listen for a resilient peace and joy. Um, While growing up, um, my dad was um, abusive. Um, Not so much to my younger brothers and sisters. There's six of us all together, but the oldest three, and there was a lot of physical abuse. I didn't notice so much toward my mom as toward my older brother, me, and then my brother right after me. The day I called 911, we had went to a volleyball game, and we came home, and I had been talking to this guy at school, and he tried calling me, and I couldn't figure out why the phone wasn't working. My dad had unhooked it outside, and I had hooked it in. Well, then he found out that I had hooked it in, and he came running in the house. I remember being bent over. He had me around the neck, being bent over the counter, and I was just screaming for my mom. And my mom come running out, and my mom's trying to pull my dad off of me. My mom finally got him off. He grabbed my mom around the neck and started dragging her into the room, and I heard him say, I can rape and kill you, and nobody will ever know. And he went into their bedroom and locked the door. I remember the cop saying, We're taking them. There's physical marks on your wife and your oldest daughter. You guys need to get what you can right now, and you're going into town. It's like, wow, my mom went through that when she was little. Like, it hurts me just knowing that she had to do that. (laughs) And then seeing how she acts now, it's like, it just is amazing. Um, As a young adult at 19, I was heading down the wrong road of life. And my mom says today that this blessing right here came at a good time, that God knew I was going down the wrong road. I ended up getting pregnant um, with Remington, um, straightened me right up, 
And at that time I realized I was gonna face the world alone with just my daughter and I. You know, and I ended up meeting a guy and showed me some attention. So I grabbed a hold of that. He said, let's get married. And I was like, sure, you know. And the year started going and it was like, he started stopped going to like her baseball games. His parent-teacher conferences, wasn't helping me pick her up. One day he showed up drunk and I had locked her and I in the bedroom. Six o'clock in the morning I went out there and I told him, you need to get out. At that point in time, when it was just Remington and I, we didn't have a spiritual walk. Um, my grandparents were pretty much the spiritual leaders. Remington got baptized because grandma and grandpa said, Amy, you need to baptize Remington. You know, so it was more of me following my grandma and grandpa and my spiritual walk. So we didn't have a spiritual walk at all. In my next relationship, I met at the bar. He did decide for a period of time to move to Scotts Bluff. In that process, I got pregnant. After I got pregnant, it became very, very emotional abusive. Um, never physical, but emotional. I was torn down to where I literally, how I felt so bad about myself that they'd be better off without me. The worst six years of my life. The worst. Um, my daughter at that time was in a relationship and she was getting emotionally abused too because she seen her mom and she thought it was okay for her mom to do it. And so she got into a relationship that was not very healthy. He was like super controlling, telling me I can't do this, I can't do that, calling me names and I was like, oh well, like I've seen mom do it. like. Aaron calls mom names all the time, like, okay, well, I guess this is okay. And then it just got, like, really, really worse. We had been in this relationship for two and a half years, and I was like, wow, it's not, it's not gotten better. You've told me numerous times that it was going to get better. You would change, and I've never seen it. There was numerous times that I told him that I was going to break up with him, and he would say, well, I'm going to go kill myself. Like, you're my world, I'm gonna kill myself. So I was super, super worried that was gonna happen and I was scared it was gonna happen. One time I got asked to prom and he did not like that because he was like, no one can be with you, you're mine. And then that night he ended up committing suicide. My life, it was like really hard for me and I needed to turn to my mom. And so ever since then, I just, my mom's my best friend. I was mad at everyone. I was like mad at God because I was like, why, why me? Like, why do I have to be put through this? So my grandma just kept telling me, God's doing it for a reason. God is doing it for a reason. And I'm like, no, like, I don't want to believe in God. Like, why would he do something like this? Like, I am so hurt. So Remington ended up going with a friend to New Life and she begged me, probably for weeks, weeks to come try this church. We cried from the minute we walked in the door to the minute we left. <laughs> I finally found that I needed a change and I knew that God was speaking to me. I went to the altar Sunday, laid it all down, accepted Christ as my Savior. After I got baptized, I'd went home and my stepmom has been in my life for 20 years. She called me on Monday, I was at work and she's like, I don't know what ever happened to you. But this Amy is the Amy that I knew was deep down inside of you. And I looked at her and I said, 
it's not me facing the world alone anymore. I have God. I have God in my girls. He is on my side now, and nothing can stand in our way. The woman you were before we moved, we went to new life, it was not the mom I knew when I was little. But the mom you are now, you are an amazing mom to Destiny and I, and Cameron. <laughs> and just how you act towards everything, how much you believe in God, you're an amazing person. And I hope one day to be half the mom you are. So how do you find freedom? How do you find resilient peace and resilient joy? I would suggest you take the, the example of what you just heard, and you do a couple of things. One, pull off the mask. Do what Amy said. She came to the altar, she surrendered to God, and she left it there. And she said, God, I'm leaving all of that past there. Now, could you see that some of the past still brings pain? Of course it does. Yeah, God, over time and over a process, he, he heals pain. Some of those things take time, church. So, yeah, am I expecting God to do a miracle today in some of your lives? I'm expecting God to do a miracle today. I'm expecting for some of you to lay down the masks once and for all and get up a new person and to walk out of here, you know, different than you walked in. But I also know that there's a process for healing when it comes to pain. And you need to let God work that process. So surrendering your life. How else do you find godly, biblical, resilient peace and joy? How do you find it? Take a look at this scripture. Galatians chapter 5. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness who produces it the holy spirit produces it it's what the holy spirit can do it's not what you can do so where where do you need to run today run to god and ask god fill me with this resilient peace and joy or I'm not going to make it through this next week or I'm not going to overcome this next obstacle or I'm not going to be my best I'm running on empty when it comes to human, human joy and peace. God, I need something supernatural that's going to make me like Habakkuk feel like I, I pounce, I leap. I'm at the top of the mountain even though I'm still facing real life situations. That's my challenge to you today. Come to the Lord today and seek him because he is the one who wants to produce that joy and peace in you. So lastly... I just want to pray for you the very same prayer that Paul prayed over the believers in Rome. This is his prayer. It's found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul says, I pray, I pray that God, the source of hope, he will fill you completely with joy and peace because you what? You trust in him. Again, just for the sake of repetitiveness, because that's how we learn sometimes. Where, where does the peace and the joy come from? Your trust in Christ and Christ alone. He says, then you will overflow. You will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you today. 
is that because you trust and you call out on the name of Jesus that you'd be filled with the resilient peace and joy that makes you an overcomer and allows you to rebound back to Christ being the center no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you faced in your past, and no matter what you're going to face in your future. You are resilient through Christ who dwells within you. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. So, Lord, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and we call out your name. We ask you, Lord, fill this church with resilient peace and with resilient joy. Lord, heal the things of the past. Remove the masks that are being worn today to disguise our pain and to present this new front that we want all the world to see that's impossible for us to sustain. Lord, I pray that right now in Jesus' name, you would, you would hear the prayers of those who are calling out your name, and you would meet them right where they're at. And as we sing this one last song, Lord, I pray that the altars would be for the hungry. The altars would be for those who are hungry to see you, Jesus, work a miracle in their life, work something miraculous in them, do something beyond what they can do or sustain on their own. We were never meant to sustain joy and peace in our own human resilient strength. It was only meant to be done through a resilience that you can provide, God, and you can provide only. So Jesus, work a miracle in this church. Work a miracle amongst these people. Deliver them and set them free from the bondage of their past. Show up in this church. Restore hope, restore joy, and restore peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.